You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. It's good to worship with you. Thank you, band, for leading us. Really, man, it's just been good for my heart today. It's been a long week for some of us. For some of us, it's maybe been a, an awesome fast flyby week. For others of us in our faith family, we've had some that have gone through some difficulties, through suffering, through trials. And so let us worship today in the way that we would with a family who struggles and a family who rejoices. Let us weep with those who weep, right? Let us rejoice with those who rejoice. And let us right now together work through the Word of God so that we can be changed by it from the inside out. So if you would open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, before your eyes gloss over, yes, we will be in verses 16 through 20. Um, I know as Southern Baptists, you have heard this passage so much that even if you never memorized it, you have it memorized probably by now. Uh, It is what we call the Great Commission. We'll be a few minutes before we get there, but let me tell you, we are going to go pretty quickly through things today, but it is going to feel like we did not go very quickly. We've got a lot to cover. Last week, we began the process of talking about vision that God has given us as 12th Street Baptist Church, not starting now, but starting 120 years ago. Uh, We have a vision from the Lord to make much of Him and make disciples. In fact, I would argue that if you're not doing that, you're not a church. If you're not making much of God or glorifying God and making disciples, that is the very definition of being the church. However, I think that many of us might have to take a long, hard look at ourselves in the mirror. If we think that we are mature in Christ, that means that we look like Jesus in a lot of ways. It's hard to say that, honestly, if we look at ourselves and, not, and we have neither tried or even followed through with trying to make disciples of Jesus ourselves personally. Jesus spent the total time of his earthly ministry on making disciples. It is an arduous task. It is a messy task, as we see in the New Testament, and it is one that we are all to endeavor in. Before you cut me off, understand that God gives you the power by putting the Holy Spirit within you, and Jesus is with us always. We are never alone in this endeavor. We do it by His strength, by His power, but we are all called to make much of Him and to make disciples. That is our goal. It starts in the home, and our families at home, it begins there. It then mushrooms out into every other part of our lives. And if we are not doing that, we are not on the mission of Jesus who came to seek and to save the lost. We saw it last week in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. He said to the disciples that he called out, he said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, come out here now, come after me now, and I will make you. He's the one doing the making And I'll make you into fishers of men, which is what Jesus did. And we talked about how those three pieces are going to be the things we hang everything on from here forward until God makes it clear to do something else. Those three pieces are these three words, presence, formation, and mission. Presence, being with God. Formation, becoming like Jesus. And mission, doing what Jesus did. And primarily what he did was make much of his father and make disciples. And that will be what we endeavor to do here. Like I said, every church's mission is to glorify God. Every church's mission is to make disciples along with that. There is a vertical and a horizontal glorifying God. Think of a cross, glorifying God and making disciples. That is who we are as the church. 
And we're all responsible to do that. In fact, I won't quote a lot of people today, but Spurgeon, I will. I kind of almost have to. He's one of my favorites. The way he says it very succinctly that pierces the heart. The Holy Spirit used it to pierce my heart this week. He says, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. That's strong words. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Before you bail on me mentally, let us work through how that plays out. But let me make sure we make it clear. If we want to accomplish our eternal purpose here, now, then we must become more than a group of people who come to church one, two, maybe three times a week. We have not, listen to me, we have not been adopted into an organization. We have been adopted into a family. And it's God's family. He is the head of the family. We are to submit to him. He is the king of the universe, but he is our father if we are in Christ. And Jesus is our older brother who gave himself for us, the model for being a brother. And healthy families don't just gather together on occasion as it suits them to spend an hour singing songs or maybe listening to someone teach. Families do life together. Loving one another every day. Caring for one another through every difficult season. Jesus did not pour out his blood to save us into a weekly gathering. Jesus sacrificed himself so that we might be adopted into his family. Making us his adopted brothers and sisters, even co-heirs with him. Inevitably and eventually inheriting the greatest of all treasures, God himself. This means that because of who Jesus is and because of what he has done, we are one father-ordained, Jesus-ransomed, spirit-led family of God. And just as Jesus spent his entire life on this earth doing his father's will of seeking and saving those who are far from God, so we are to spend the rest of our lives Helping those who are far from God become apprentices of Jesus, what we call making disciples. And I believe that this faith family is uniquely situated to do that by being a family for families. After months of researching our community, seeking to understand our collective potential as 12th Street Baptist Church, and after taking time with many to prayerfully discern the passions that he has given us as a church, we believe, as leaders here, as your staff, as those tasked with leading us spiritually down the path that God shines out for us, we believe we have finally come to understand how God has uniquely suited our faith family in this season of our lives together to fulfill his mission of making much of God and making disciples. We believe that our mission is to help those who are far from God become apprentices to Jesus by being a family for families. We are in the midst of a time and in a place where the family is being broken down by all kinds of things that destroy us. The least of which is not radical adherence to morality, but which is actually not radical fellowship with God through his son Jesus by his spirit together in the body of Christ. This idea of being a family for families has not come out of thin air. In fact, the Bible is replete 
with family language for followers of Jesus. I'm going to give you a few. Mark 3. Jesus' mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. In fact, the Greek word for brother, Adelphos, Adelphoi, whichever way it's being used at the time, it's used over 200 times in the New Testament, referring to brothers as Christians. It's much more a family conversation in the Bible than it is anything of just mere religion. 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Or Romans 8, where Paul says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, brothers and sisters, as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, that's daddy in Greek, for a young, young child, daddy, Abba, father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Or in John 1, but to all who did receive him, who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You hear it all? It's everywhere in the scriptures. Children of God who were born, listen, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but who were born of God by his doing. And now I take us to the place where we see the mission given to us. We can't come up with our own mission. The mission's been given. We don't try to discern what God wants us to do. We try to discern how he wants us to do it specifically in our place, where we are in our time. And so let us look to the place that the Baptists have gone to for decades and that the Christians have gone to for centuries. And let us go to the place that tells us exactly what we are meant to do, what our mission is. Last time we talked about presence and formation. This time we talk about mission. How do we live out being fishers of men? Look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 and on. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him... They worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, that's a command, behold, look, listen, I am with you always to the end of the age. Pray with me, please. Father, before we take one more step forward, I beg you, Lord, do not leave us to ourselves right now. But may your spirit in your grace and mercy lead us through this time that we might endeavor to understand your call upon our lives 
the reason for which you have saved us, that we might glorify you and make much of you in all that we do as we live out your mission in every moment of our lives. Reveal to us today where we are not living this out. Convict us by your spirit that we might repent and believe on Jesus as our Lord and Savior and brother and Redeemer and our Rescuer, that he might receive all the glory and all the fame in this place. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 18 again. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you today the word here in this text, the word in the Greek for all means exactly that. All. Every bit of ultimate authority rests in the person of Jesus Christ who defeated death and sin and hell in our place on the cross as our substitute sacrifice. And he has been crowned with the crown of crowns. And every knee will bow before him. Every knee in earth, in heaven, and under the earth will bow before him and declare him King of kings and Lord of lords. He has all authority. All authority. And that means that whatever he says must be done by everyone. If we refuse to live out what he commands, we are not followers of Jesus. That's the plain truth of this statement, that all authority rests in him. This isn't a matter of choice. This is a matter of obedience. It's obedience to the ultimate authority in the universe whose name is Jesus. No matter what someone tells you to stop saying, no matter who's in charge of a municipality, no matter who's in charge of our country, who's in charge of the Western Hemisphere or the world, Jesus is in charge of them. And we bow to that king first and foremost. We do what he says. Listen, brothers, nothing can delay or stop his mandate. No one can thwart his plan. No one can stop his mission from succeeding. For he has all authority. He is already victorious over all that would come against him. There is no one that can stop him. Our mission will succeed, brothers and sisters. Our mission will succeed. We cannot fail. That's the good news for us today in this missional endeavor we're called to. We will not, we cannot fail because Jesus cannot be overcome. He has already overcome any and all that would stand in his way. So when he says to us, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, The next words he says out of his mouth are taken as concrete, directional commands to us that we must endure. And the first thing I want you to understand when he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I've commanded you. When he says all those things together, you need to understand that all of those things that look like verbs in there, you need to understand a little bit about Greek here, okay? The things that drive sentences in English or Greek or any other language are the verbs. The things that are most important when we read sentences to understand what's happening is the verb. And the verb here that drives everything in this particular set of words is make disciples. That is the only verb, actually. What we see as verbs, the other things are actually participles. When he says go, this is saying how we make disciples. 
When he says baptizing, that is part of how we make disciples. When he says teaching, that is part of how we make disciples. The driving, commanding verb that is an imperative command is make disciples. That is what he tells us to do, make disciples. Let's break it down in order then. To do that, he says, go therefore. All authority has been given to me, now go. We talked about it last week. We are saved to be sent. We are not saved to be warm in the bench. We are not saved to continue life as it was before. We are saved to be sent on a new mission. In fact, I would call this the gospel recommission instead of the gospel commission or the great commission. You had a life. You, knew, you thought you knew what you were going to do. You thought you knew what you signed up for. You thought you knew what your purpose was in life. And then you got hit by an all-powerful God who reached down and saved you out of your sinfulness. And you repented and believed on his son Jesus. And now everything has changed. Everything. You have been recommissioned. You now have a new mission, a new purpose. It's what you're made for. To enjoy God with all that's within you and to make much of him. And the way you do that amongst other people is by making disciples. And the first way to get there is by going. It requires leaving. It can be fearful. It can be struggling for you. But no doubt it is the command to go. To go. To be actively moving in a direction. And it requires immediate obedience. Just like you saw in Matthew 4.19. Where he calls upon those guys and he says, Follow me. Come out here now. Come after me now. And I will make you fishers of men. And it says immediately they left their boats. And he calls the next two guys and says immediately they left their father and they left their boats. It requires immediate obedience. That means it's okay. You know what? God loves you right where you are. If you have failed at this mission so far, today's a day of grace and mercy and bringing you repentance in Christ Jesus. Today's a day to begin anew and afresh. It's a new day and his mercies are new every morning. Thank you, Lord. So today is a day to begin making disciples in your home with your kids, with your grandkids, with your spouse, with your friends, with your folks at work, with the people you talk to in the line as you make much of Jesus even there. Today's the day to begin. Don't let the fear drive your life. Don't be afraid to do what God has commanded, who's all-powerful and has all authority. Now, let me make sure we're really clear. Nothing about your faith Listen to me, nothing about your faith, nothing about your faith is private. Your relationship with God can have moments in private, but your faith has never been declared to be private faith. It is very much personal, but it is not private. After all, we've been saved into a family, and we all know that in families, nothing's private, right? Our life with Christ, yes, is very much personal, but it can never be private. We must go and get them. We are the ones. He sent Jesus to come and get us, and now he sends us to be like Jesus to go and get others so that they might hear the gospel. They might know the truth and follow Jesus. He came to seek and to save the lost. That's what we are now sent to do, a part of the greatest rescue mission ever endeavored and already successful. All we need to do is reach the people that don't know the Lord, who are far from God, and give them Jesus, because he has already won the war. He will do the heavy lifting. He will turn their hearts from hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. We merely need to speak well of Jesus. 
Look, evangelism is not that hard. Evangelism is going wherever you go, making much of God, and let him do the inner workings that none of us can do in the hearts of people around us. So you want to say, well, I'm not good at that. So you're not good about talking about the great one who gave you life in Christ? We're good about talking about Alabama football. We're good about talking about Auburn football, some of us. We're good about talking about the latest gun. We're good about talking about the, the latest exciting thing we're going to go do, about the latest, greatest movies and TV shows, and things on Netflix we can't get over. All we've got to do is recognize what he's done for us and then speak well of his name in front of others. There's awful scary things in Scripture about not doing that. We're being ashamed of him. He'll be ashamed of us in front of his Father. Listen. They will not come to us anymore. Anybody that comes through this door that is not a Christian yet is only by the grace of God who wooed them in himself, not because they're just going to grace our doorstep. We must go to them. He didn't say, hey, wait, all authority has been given to me. Wait for them to come. He didn't say build it and they will come. That's somebody else. He says, go, therefore. Go get them. We've been deployed on this greatest rescue mission, and it's our job to bring them into his family, our family. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Being disciples is even better understood in this phrase, I think, being apprentices to Jesus. You've got to spend time with somebody to be their apprentice. You've got to want to learn everything they know to be an apprentice. You've got to walk like they walk. You take the schedule that they take. You listen to everything they say. Your life is turned over to them. How many of you had a type of job where you had to apprentice for a season of your life? Like a year or more, maybe. We've seen apprenticing, learning from people. You give yourselves over to them. You trust them. That's what being an apprentice is like. And being an apprentice to Jesus means practicing the way of Jesus with him and with one another. That's why our mission is to help those who are far from God to become apprentices to Jesus by being a family for families, welcoming every person into our family. There is no hold barred. Everyone is welcome here. Everyone should be in here. In fact, when he says, make disciples of all nations, the word for nations is the word ethne in Greek. Ethne. And that's where we get the word ethnic. Okay, it means people groups, basically. Do you know there's over 16,000 ethnes in the world today? Over 16,000 people groups. And Jesus said, when all ethnes, when all nations, when all ethnes have heard the gospel, then I will come back. Man, we can be a part of ushering in the kingdom of God by taking the gospel to a different ethne that maybe has not heard it yet. And there are many who have not. You might be surprised that you share the gospel here in this place. In one of our schools alone, not too far, within four miles of here, there's over 16 languages in that school. Did you know that in an elementary school? You might be a part of taking the gospel around the world just because you share the gospel with somebody here. We're sending people all over the place when we send out our kids to college, aren't we? Did you know that all of them, every single ethne, will be welcome in his family? In fact, the Bible says every tribe, every tongue, and nation will be represented in this family. Every single one. So where do we start? You start right where you are. You start right where you are. I'm going to say some hard things. 
So get ready. I'm going to ask you, are you ready? Start with your neighbor. I don't mean the person just next door to you. I mean the neighbor like we're talking about, the Good Samaritan kind of neighbor. You go back and read that story in Luke 10. The Good Samaritan starting in verse 25. I'm not going to recount the whole thing. Jesus is asked, well, who then is my neighbor if I'm going to love my neighbor as myself? And he picks a guy who is seen as a dog, as a half-breed that's looked down by every Jew possible because he's Samaritan. And the Samaritans are looked down that way. And he says, that guy is the kind of guy that's your neighbor. And in fact, the Samaritan in the story takes care of his neighbor, who's actually a Jew, who looks down on him. It's kind of the opposite of it, right? He says, that's a person that's your neighbor. So let me ask a question. Listen close. Do you have any people in our town, do you have any type of people in our town that you find yourself being prejudiced against? Take an honest assessment. Is it based off skin color? Is it based off how they dress? Is it based off where they're from? I know how you say the names of towns around here. Is it, is it based off of their income status? Is it based off how they act when they're around other people? Is it based off the language they use or because they smell like cigarettes? Is it based off how they drink an alcoholic beverage at a local restaurant? And you just can't believe why they would ever do that. And so you look down on them instead of giving Jesus to them. How do you view the people in our community that God sent his son to die for? Because his heart is broken for them. That's why he sent Jesus. And we are surrounded by people that we'd rather not be smelling sometimes. We'd rather not be breathing the same air as sometimes. And we need, brothers and sisters, to repent and believe in the fullness of the gospel of Jesus for everyone. Who do we start with? Everyone that God places in your path. Who are you overlooking? Because you know who Jesus went to first? They overlooked. You know who was the primary he went to? The ones nobody else wanted to go to. Let us repent, brothers. I mean, see, there's so many Christians in this town. There's a lot of lost people. They just don't look exactly like us sometimes. Our mission is to help those who are far from God. All of them. Because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. That means even those who intermarry, that means even those who had a baby out of wedlock, that means even those who have run against the Lord, who have tattoos or who have been in prison, and those, not that those are correlative necessarily. Even those who listen to country music, right? No matter their skin color, no matter how they talk, no matter how they dress, no matter which side of town they're from, no matter how messed up they are, no matter how different they are, our mission is to help all who are far from God become apprentices to Jesus by being a family for them. So where do we start then? You start right where you are. You start with the people around you every day and you pray, God, give me eyes to see them the way you see them. Lord, give me a heart to love them the way you love them. Break my heart for them with your broken heart for them. 
that led you to send your son because you love us. Look, and we want to help you as leaders. We've been praying for opportunities to be presented before us from the Lord. We've been working hard for months to develop partnerships that will be enabling us to actually fulfill this opportunity to become a family for families. And we believe that God has been preparing us to partner with local schools in just such a way. In fact, we believe that he's preparing us to partner with schools in such a way that we can be a family to the families in our community through our local schools. For months, we've been asking God to open doors into our schools so that we might partner with them and totally engulf them with the love of Christ. And now we have seen a path. The Lord has answered our prayers, brothers and sisters. Amen? This is good. We believe that God has placed in the hearts of some of our leaders that we have a desire for this and God has given us opportunity for this, that we have many, many connections in our school system, in our school systems even, and that we've been praying for God to open the door for one particular school that we make it clear for, and for the next 12 to 24 months, we're going to envelop that school in a way that shows the love and mercy of Christ. And it's our hope and prayer that over the next several years, we will be able to develop radical partnerships with many of the schools in our community, gaining access to the children, teachers, and families of our community so that we can truly be a family for families. So as we've been praying for this, where do we start, Lord? We have friends and family and many schools around us. Where do we start? And we believe God made it very clear to us for a number of reasons. But our first partnership of this kind is going to actually be with a school that's not very far from here at all. It's one you might not expect. We believe God has laid on our heart to start with Gadsden Middle School. Gadsden Middle School is just as close to us as is Rainbow Middle School and John Jones. Gadsden Middle School is a place that many of us know and love as Discu. In the same location, it almost feels like it is the exact same thing as it was back when I was around that age. But understand me right, this is only the first in many such partnerships. Only the first. It's less than four miles away from our church facilities. And it's, one of the, it's in one of the most depressed areas of our county, and the school has some great needs. In fact, did you know that the sixth grade teachers there don't even have an adult bathroom to use on a regular basis? They have to share a bathroom with the students. We've got plans to fix that. You know, they don't even get enough school supplies from their parents because a lot of the parents can't afford it, and so they often run short of their school supplies like other schools do in our area. We plan on trying to fix that. There's a lot of family needs in that area that go beyond what we can talk about at one time, but let me just give you this as an idea about why the Lord placed this on our heart. Maybe, I don't know, but this is just some correlative information. In 2010, in the census, I know we're about to have another one, but in 2010, Gadsden City proper had a median household income of less than $25,000 per household. While in Rainbow City, we had a median household income of over $40,000, a drastic difference. And you may not know this, but we already have a presence in that school in a pretty unique way. Our own minister to children and young families, Tracy Griggs, is the PTA, PTO, PTSO president. I don't know which one it is. And listen, we know that a lot of schools in our area need help. Hear me right. We know, and we plan to touch 
every single school we can by taking people there and serving and loving them. We, my hope, we're going to show you in a minute, we've got, we got shirts we want you all to get. We're going to wear those shirts to show the love of Christ so people know who we are when we come, not for our recognition, so they know they can trust us. And we're going to do this. My hope is that over years of time, in the next 10 years of time, we've got multiple different colored shirts that show that we love the schools in our area, that we want to envelop them in the love of Christ as we go and serve them. We don't want to just do one day of service. We want to take 12 to 24 months to love them day in and day out. In fact, let me ask, I've got a few of our leaders that I want to bring up here. Tracy, you come too. If you're one of the leaders, you know I'm calling you out. Come on up here right now before I call your name. Just stand right up here in front of me. We've asked a few people to lead certain parts of that ministry. This will be growing in time. I'm missing one. Is Bob around? Knox is like the head. He's in charge. Here's some of the, way, here's some of the ways in which we're going to be enveloped in this school. Debbie Elliott is going to be our reading encourager. She's going to lead our reading and tutoring initiative in the school. We want to provide Dad's in the Middle with a group of adults who will gladly help read to students who need extra reading assistance or tutoring. If God puts it on your heart to do that, see Debbie. Debbie, raise your hand. Stephanie Arnett. Stephanie, raise your hand. She's our teacher encourager. We need more of you to be teacher encouragers. Adopt a teacher initiative. We've been asking the principal, Principal Gulledge, to accrue a list of all GMS employees. And he's going to give us that list with some of their favorite things, some of their wants, some of their needs in their classrooms. And we're going to ask people, we need enough of you to adopt every single teacher and administrator in that school so that you can love on them with notes of encouragement, gifts, things that you would do like kind of secret Santa, except it's not going to be secret and it's not from Santa. It's from Jesus. <laughs> and they can know who you are. So you reach out about once a month with these things. Seth Ford, he's the only guy, but raise your hand. He's our teams encourager. He's going to be helping us to reach out to the teams and coaches of Gadsden Middle School. This might include providing some food or snacks, pregame encouragement, signage, participation, perhaps chaplaincy amongst the teams. Man, what a glorious grace that would be, amen? Tutoring athletes, all things sports, come talk to Seth. We got Bob Blum. He's not here this morning. Another one of our leaders. He's going to help lead any facility projects that we do. We got Michelle here, who, with some other folks that have already said they want to help, are going to be working to take a space where teachers are supposed to have relaxation and be refreshed and turn it into a real oasis so they can really have a moment to themselves. Can you imagine not having that? If you like that sort of thing, that's way outside my box. You know who to see. Thank y'all. We are going to envelop this school, and then we're going to do it for another school, and then we're going to do it for another school. And there's, there's no reason why we chose this school other than we believe God put it on our hearts for this school. So if your alma mater is at a wall, I heard some booze. Drama Modern Southside, we'll get there. We're going to ask you guys to 
think about picking up one of these shirts. It'll have something like this on the front. On the back, it's going to say 12 Street Cares. It's our caring ministry for families in our community. And we're going to wear these shirts out just so that they know they can trust us when we show up on their campus, just so that they know when they see us wearing these that we're there to help. We're not there to get notoriety. We're not going to have our names and numbers on the back. It's simply just for us to make much of the Lord. Let me give you another one. Lifeline Christian Services, Lifeline Children's Services. Lifeline Children's Services, their mission is to equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to vulnerable children. They're based in Birmingham, Alabama. They have a vision to see vulnerable children and their communities be transformed by the gospel and start making disciples. They do things like adoption, both domestically and internationally. They focus on orphan and foster care, both domestically and internationally, for kids that age out internationally as well. They focus on counseling and education services for all kinds of families. And one of the things that uniquely struck my heart is that they work with family restoration. Did you know that there's over 200 foster care children in our county alone? And there's not enough homes for them. Many of them have to go out of the county to find a place to sleep. They have a program within their family restoration area called Families Count, where Lifeline equips local churches to provide hope in Christ, support, and education to at-risk families as they pursue the ultimate goal of reunification with their children. And we can be a part of that. Court-mandated type stuff that they have an option to do with us so that we can give them Jesus and skills to reunite with their children. Don't you want to be a family for families like this? Don't, don't, don't you want to be a family for families who don't know Jesus, that we can be a place where you come here and you feel welcome, you feel like you can be made whole by the gospel and by having people that love you? Don't you want to give your life to something greater than maybe what you've given it to before? I'm not saying to you, I don't know you, how you've done your thing. But man, I believe God is doing something in our midst right now that he's drawing us in to become real apprentices of Jesus by walking in the ways of Jesus so that we can actually see families become a part of our family as they come to know Jesus. And what a glorious celebration to see these things happen. Lifeline's already helping us get connected to DHR so that we can support them, begin a partnership there. They're already working with other churches in the area that we can partner with to do it more effectively. That's just two of the examples that we see already. Jump back real quick, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I'm whiplashing you right back. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is our outward confession. It is our outward confession of union with Christ and his church. This part of the mission necessitates that we evangelize. In fact, I don't really like that word. I like the word gospel. I use it as a verb. I can do that. I can make something up. Paul did it, right? Following examples. We need to be gospeling people. In fact, I can do that because the word for gospel is euangelion. Try to say that real fast. Euangelion. And the word for evangelizing is euangelizo. So why not just say gospeling? It's easier, right? By being baptized, 
And as we believe here, of course, by immersion, it means going under the water, what we are signifying is that we are united with Christ in our death, we are uniting with Him in His death, and that we then come up into new life, raised from death, in new life with Christ, with His church. You cannot separate being united with Christ from being united with His church. It does not work. That is the intent and purpose of being baptized. Dual fold. United with Christ, united with His church. Public profession. And when you are baptized, you're showing the world you've been regenerated, that you've been given a new heart with a new life and a new purpose and a new mission to help those who are far from God become apprentices to Jesus by being families for families. That's what we're doing. You're saying, I'm proud to share it with the world. I'm going to share it with my faith family first, that I've been brought into a new family, this family, the family of God. And it's unique to know that that word that's really cool here in this, when he says, baptized in the name, in the Greek it's also singular, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God in the name, singular Trinitarian language, even right here. We must gospel everyone who is far from God so that they can be baptized into the family of God, helping their family become a part of our family. In fact, Romans 10, 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching or proclaiming is the word? And how are they to proclaim unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How beautiful were the feet of those who brought us the gospel. Let us have beautiful feet, brothers and sisters. Let us take the gospel forward. Let us just make much of Jesus. And then baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then teaching them, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you, he says. Listen, our mission includes teaching, but don't be freaked out by that. Some of you say, whoa, but I'm not a teacher. That's not for me. No, 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 listen up. The better way to even understand this is this way. We must show them how to become apprentices to Jesus by practicing the way of Jesus with them. It's caught even better than it's taught. You understand? You walk with somebody. How do your kids learn language? They don't do it because you sit down in a room at age like six months and start walking through the alphabet with them and teaching them phonics at that point. They hear you. They pick it up because you're living with them, walking with them, practicing the way. When we say our mission is to help those who are far from God to become apprentices to Jesus by being a family for families, it means we have to spend time with them. Not just a church. Gone are the days of being separate but equal, aren't they? Isn't it? We aren't saved to be separate. We're saved to be sent. Sent to those who are far from God so we can help them become apprentices to Jesus. And that requires teaching them to obey Him. The Shema, Deuteronomy 4. If you go home and study anything from this point forward and you don't have anything yet, go home and study Deuteronomy 4, sorry, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 and on. And this is what they would repeat. Two times a day they would pray this, the Jews would. They would say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. It's familial even. Listen to this. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. This is familial language. And even lastly, he says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
Behold, that's what he says. Get your attention. I'm with you always to the end of the age. All power has been given to me. All authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that I've said. And behold, I am with you. Even to the end of the age when I come back to get you, I am with you. That means in Jesus, broken families can be made whole. Parents who have made grave mistakes, even us, can now find forgiveness for our past in Jesus. Children who have been damaged and hurt by their earthly families can now have hope and healing in the person and work of Jesus. Families who have been betrayed by their own blood can finally find full acceptance and never-ending love in the blood-stained arms of the Savior. Do you feel alone? Come to Jesus. Do you feel like you're surrounded by people but nobody knows you? He does, and he loves you, and he wants you anyway. Come to Jesus. He's with you always, even to the end of the age. Have you been abandoned by friends or family? Never again in Jesus, for he is with you always, always. Did you grow up maybe feeling forgotten? Did you feel like nobody really knew you, surrounded by family here on earth, but you find yourself feeling forgotten and alone sometimes? Come to Jesus. For once we were lost, but now we've been found in Jesus. We will never be alone. He's always with us. He came to seek and to save you. And he will be with you even to the end of the age. For he will be our God and we will be his people. And he will walk among us. Because he saved us not only into eternity, but he saved us into his family. So let us, church, let us become a family for families. And right now we're going to bring this service to a close because we're going to do what families do best, especially Baptists it seems. We're going to eat together. And we're going to drink together. And we're going to do that now through the Lord's Supper. And if you're not normally with us, but you're a Christian, you're a believer in Christ, you're welcome to partake with us. Because we're all a part of the family of God. And if you are not a believer, I encourage you, hold up, don't, don't do what you think you have to do because you're in front of people. Be real, be honest. The best thing you could do is turn right now to the Lord and say, Lord, I have not been with you, but I want to be with you now. I did not understand, but now I see clearly Today's the day I need to turn my life toward you and repent and believe in what you did for me on the cross through Jesus. And if you do that, you're welcome to eat with us too. This is a meal for the family. We'd love to invite you in. Jesus has already invited you in today. In just a moment, they're going to pass these out. and It's going to come in a little double cup. Carefully pull them apart. Sometimes they get stuck. And then we'll take the elements together after everything's been handed out. Let me pray for us now before we put out the elements. Lord, we ask you and thank you for what you've done for us in Jesus. And we ask you to lead us even now to put our hope and trust in you. And help us to become that family that all families would want to be a part of. That we might love them the way that you have loved us. That we might care for them the way that you care for us. That we might engulf them with your mercy the way that you have done so with us when you spread out your arms fully on the cross and said father forgive them for they know not what they do lord help us to live in that grace continually for your glory and we ask that in jesus name amen
Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helped you to be more like Jesus, as 12th Street seeks to be a place where we can find forgiveness for the past and hope for the future.